the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. Don't you know love, love can stay silent. On February 18th, 2023, Stacy married Jonathan Hyatt. Jonathan Hyatt experienced a loss of a spouse as well. Stacy thought it would be appropriate to share his previous wife's celebration of life. All things work together for the good for those who love God. As they look back on the grief they have experienced, they understand that God is not finished with them, and their previous spouses have run the race victoriously, and now are in the presence of our loving Savior. And that is because they both had a relationship with Jesus. Here is part one of Camille's celebration of life. Thank you for coming to honor and remember Camille this morning. And, you know, I was thinking this morning and praying about the service, and, and you know, I, I believe that uh, Camille would want us to start off with a, a spirit of joy and thanksgiving. And one of the wonderful psalms is Psalm 100. You might be familiar with it. But part of it says we are to enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, for he is good. Uh, bless his name. His loving kindnesses are every day for you and I and his faithfulness, faithfulness to all generations. So we have that wonderful promise, right, of a God that loves us and cares about us. So as we come into his presence this morning, let's take a moment and bow our heads and invite God the Father and God the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart and my heart this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with sadness in our hearts, sadness because our precious Camille has been taken home to be with her Savior, and we will all miss her and the great love that she has for her family, and each one of us that are here this morning. But we also rejoice in your presence, knowing that Camille's journey is finally done and that she is singing the praises of her Savior that she has so longed for with a heart of gratefulness and thankfulness for his redeeming love. We all look to our mighty God to bless our gathering here this morning with the anointing of God the Holy Spirit that Camille and her life lived for her Lord would be remembered and honored and that her Savior, Jesus Christ, would be lifted up and glorified. And everyone said, amen. Thank you, Bob. She is celebrating with our Lord now. Let's celebrate. Good morning. If you don't know us, we are Camille's mom and sister, Gloria and Bethany. Over the last few months, we've spent lots of time with Cam and had many opportunities to think about her and the impact she's made to countless individuals. We've learned so much from her, and we wanted to share some of that with you today. Camille Elizabeth Merritt was born September 28, 1971, to Jim and Gloria. She was a sweet baby, pretty compliant. Of course, she had her moments of stubbornness and mischief, but was mostly agreeable and obedient. From the beginning, we took her to church and taught her about Jesus. She accepted him as her savior when she was four years old. We lived in an apartment until she was three, and then we had an opportunity to move to La Mesa and buy a little house that belonged to my aunt and uncle. We moved there to Violet Street in 1975 and Jim and I still live there today. She went to kindergarten at the nearby elementary school, then God opened the door for her to attend Christian school, where he provided me with a job teaching preschool. She attended there through sixth grade, then she attended another Christian school for junior high. 
Then, knowing no one, she began attending Helix High School. During her freshman year, the Lord brought her a best friend named Tracy. They were both Christians and attended church youth group activities together. They remained best friends all through high school and beyond. They were in each other's weddings and until Camille's passing were Facebook friends. When Camille was 15, her little sister Bethany was born. That certainly changed life in the Merritt household. (laughs) Having a baby and a teenager in the same household with no children in between seemed like it might have its challenges, but it worked out okay. Like my mom mentioned, I was born when my sister was 15. The little sister, she didn't know she wanted. (laughs) She got married when I was five, so we didn't spend much time in the same house. But I do remember, I got in some prime, annoying little sister behavior. She got a job working at Foothills Bible Bookstore on La Mesa Boulevard, where she worked in the music department. It was her first real job, and she enjoyed it. She worked Friday evenings and Saturdays, so it limited her free time, but she managed her time and kept up with her schoolwork. I remember visiting Cam at work. I also remember the sampler tapes that she would bring home. I'd fall asleep listening to Sandy Patty and the Donut Man. So life continued on, and then in her senior year at Helix, she met a young man named Jonathan Hyatt. They were in choir together, and he asked her to go to the prom with him. They didn't really know each other very well, so they decided to go out on a few get-acquainted dates before going to the prom. They both loved the Lord and seemed to hit it off from the beginning. They had lived less than one mile away from each other all their lives, but had attended different Christian schools and different churches, with John at Windsor Hills Baptist and Camille at Lake Murray, so had never met. They graduated from Helix in 1989 and continued to date. They both attended Grossmont College briefly, even took a racquetball class together. John got on at the post office in 1991, and then they were married on June 6, 1992, and she became a Hyatt. They found a nice apartment in La Mesa near Grossmont Shopping Center. The following September, John managed to throw a surprise party for her 21st birthday. That was fun. This quiet, shy person was very surprised. Once she got married to John, they would invite me for sleepovers at their apartment. I really enjoyed the time I got to spend with them there. They always made sure that I felt included, even though I was 15 years younger. After they had lived in the apartment for about a year, they began looking for a house to buy. While she was pregnant with Brandon, they found just the right house. After they moved into their current house, I got to sleep in the duck room when I would spend the night. It's now Nick's room and decorated differently, but when I was a little kid, there was wood paneling and duck wallpaper in that room. (laughs) In May 1994, Brandon was born. Camille was a stay-at-home mom. While Brandon was little, she had part-time jobs that she could do from home. She did child care and then worked doing phone surveys. Rubber stamping became popular for making cards, and she really got into that. She worked as a demonstrator for Stampin' Up! and gave classes in card making. She did that for several years, even while doing other part-time jobs. Card making was a hobby that she enjoyed and became quite accomplished at it. Nicholas came along in 1999 and rounded out their family into four. I spent many evenings babysitting the boys while Camille and John went out on dates. (laughs) As she could, she kept on with part-time jobs, eventually working around school schedules. She volunteered in the classroom when the boys were in elementary school, and both she and John worked in the Awana program, Sparks, at church, teaching boys and girls about Jesus. Then later, she began assisting in our church preschool. She was very good at that. 
She even went back to school taking a couple of child development classes and began working in a daycare program. She loved the little ones working with the two-year-olds. After a few years, she was getting weary and decided it was time to take a break, start eating better, and getting her health back. By this time, the boys were young adults. Her job ended on a Friday, and the following week she was diagnosed with cancer. It felt as though we all collectively had been hit by a bus. As we were trying to get our feet under us, many medical appointments began, then surgery, then chemo. Camille and John were surprised by the diagnosis, but never stopped trusting God. It seemed like they got stronger in their faith, and their trust in their Savior never seemed to waver. Nor did they ever complain about her having cancer or question why it had happened. After the first sessions of chemotherapy were done, she rang the bell in the chemo room and soon was declared disease-free. We all praised God and celebrated victory with a family party. Over the years, we have spent time together as an extended family, celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, but the cancer diagnosis highlighted how short our time together here on Earth really is. My mom's sister and I began making more of an effort to spend time together at least once a month, shopping at the thrift store, watching a movie, or sharing a meal. It wasn't very many months before the cancer returned. More surgery and chemo followed. During that time, she kept going as best she could. Brandon married lovely Itze at beautiful Marina Village on December 20th, 2019. Many of us watched with tears in our eyes as Camille danced with Brandon at the wedding. Such a blessing. As the cancer continued, it became clearer that she was getting weaker and weaker and the chemo was no longer effective. She and John decided it was time to stop the treatments and call hospice. The decline continued until on December 29th when our sweet Camille passed into the everlasting arms of Jesus, no longer suffering but whole and well, walking on the streets of gold in heaven. Over the course of her life, it was plain to see that Camille loved Jesus. She embodied the fruits of the Spirit. They flowed to her, from her to everyone around her, even to the end. Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In the last three-plus years, our family has seen these characteristics demonstrated over and over by you, dear people, sitting out there. You have been the hands and feet of Christ, praying for all involved, delivering countless meals, sending cards, giving Camille rides to appointments, visiting or doing grocery runs, and later just sitting by her while she rested. Also supporting John by taking him for coffee or out to lunch, bringing breakfast or going for walks. We cannot say thank you enough. It has had a lasting impact on all of us. Thank you all so much. God bless you. Before I start, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to say thank you to all the people that we love that are here, and I want to say thank you to all the people that are not able to be here for various reasons that are watching us on live stream. Lord willing, thank you. We love you, we love you, we love you. Camille and I were married right here on this stage at this church almost 30 years ago. Great memories with our families and with all of you, our church family. About eight months ago, I wrote this poem. One of the interesting things with um, my struggles and Camille's struggles is I began to write. Jesus inspired me, and our suffering inspired me. This poem is called Three Strands. The three strands represent Camille, myself, and Jesus. 
Our faith and marriage made us a cord of three strands that is not easily broken. Two strands came together through lovely providence. A thousand prayers were answered in these three cords of strand ever since. The bruised reed and smoking flax intertwined through Yahweh's heart. What God has joined together, let no man pull apart. I, in storms and trials, the strong cord begins to fray. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, rejoice, he taught me to say. With each knot tied and secure and fastened in its place, ever pulling upward and onward, corded strands are enduring the race. Holy threads bearing witness in despite of their apparent loss. Count it joy, ever clinging, looking up to Yeshua's cross. When he doth begin to unwind, my beloved strand of twine, remind our cord that he unwinds us all by his design. For each strand must pass through death to life, and thus it must depart. To glorious shores of love, amazing, divine, this bride begins her new start. Now bride has made herself ready for the bridegroom. Soon the wedding feast will be at hand. Arrayed in pure fine linen within heaven's tapestry, each adorned with golden strands. End of poem now, sermon. Sermon one. 24 hours or so after the mortuary came and picked up Camille and took her body away, I woke up in, at 4.30 in the morning and began meditating on John 21, 15 to 25. Sometimes God gives us songs in the night or early morning, and sometimes he gives us verses. Specifically, I began meditating on Jesus' restoration with the apostle Peter, who had just denied him three days earlier before Jesus was crucified. I thought about my relationship to Jesus in regards to Peter's relationship. Number one, I remembered and thought about the happy Christian. Do you love me more than these? Feed my lambs. As a happy Christian, is God first in your life? Do you love him more than your spouse, more than your children, your job, or even this world? Are you complete with him? Are you serving him? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The second time was for the suffering Christian. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Are you enduring a trial, a testing of your faith? Is your heart burdened by some sickness or pain? Are you steadfast in your devotion to him? If the answer is yes, then continue in your faith. And as Elizabeth Elliot said, trust God and do the next thing. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The third time was for the sorrowful Christian. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Have you suffered loss? You are not alone. Follow him. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. Encourage the sheep. Worship the sheep. Don't worship the sheep, sorry. Worship, <laughs> worship the good shepherd. Maybe I should have wore the glasses. <laughs> Enjoy the flock and stay in the fold. And so I ask you, is this true in your life? Do you love him more than these? Do you love him even more in your suffering, in your sorrow, and in your grief? We all prayed for Camille's healing for over three and a half years, and God chose not to heal her on this earth. Do you love him more? If the answer is yes, be assured that he knows all things and that he knows that you love him. Then glorify him with your love by feeding his lambs, tending his sheep, and feeding his sheep. Are you a lost sheep? If you are a lost sheep, come to the good shepherd. Come to the green pastures. Come and taste the living water and never thirst again. John ten nine. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. Is your heart burning within you? To know him now? Is it burning within you to know him even more? His sheep know his voice. His sheep follow the good shepherd. John 10, 3. The sheep hear his voice, 
and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John ten fifteen to 16. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Before Jesus died on the cross for you, he prayed a prayer to his Father in John chapter 17, verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, and that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, each evening you remind me your goodness and mercy have followed me. You remind me that Camille is in your presence, and if she could speak, she would tell me, John, this is awesome. Tell everyone. I want them to be up here with me. Father, Camille and I are in complete agreement with you. Those separated by death, one day... I will be reunited with her in person. One day, all your sheep will gather around your throne and behold your glory and glorify you forever. In the quietness of your heart, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today, do not harden your hearts. Listen to his voice. Come and follow him simply by saying, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Help me with my unbelief. I don't understand everything about you, but I want to know you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for bringing Camille into my life. Thank you that she is with you. Bring me into your fold so I can see her again as well and see you and behold your glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, I'm uh, Nathan Hogan, and I'm the the senior pastor here at at Lake Murray Community Church, and uh, thank you for being here today. uh, It has been our great joy as a church to uh, to walk with the Hyatt family, uh, literally from, from marriage to burial. And uh, that's part of what we're called to do as the body of Christ. And one of the reasons we're here today is to, to be thankful for the life of Camille, but also to be comforted in God's word together. And, you know, the Bible's pretty clear that these types of moments are good and wise for us to be together. And while it's good for us to seek comfort from one another and then sharing memories about the life of Camille, there's another reason in Scripture why it says that it's good that we're all here today. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 2, the book, one of the books in the Bible written about what it is to be wise, we read, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Basically, this verse says that while it's fun to go to a party where there's rejoicing, it is actually, there's actually more wisdom found at a funeral, at a memorial service. Not because it's more fun, per se, but a place like this, a day like today, means that as we gather together, it means that we necessarily ponder and think about things that are good and wise to think about. We think about the brevity of life because we are confronted with it. We're forced to face the fact that we all have one thing in common here, and that is death. And as the verse says, it says clearly that this is the end of all mankind, and that it is good and wise to take that to heart. As we're here today, it's, it's good for us to reflect on these things, to think about things like life, death, eternity, and our own frailty. As we seek comfort today, 
Hopefully, we can also grow in wisdom in the midst of our reflection on such things. And if we want to do that, that means we need to go to the source of all wisdom, and that is God's word. You've already heard today that one of Camille's favorite passages was the one about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 20 through 24. Just to read it for you again, we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I think most of us who knew Cammie would agree that she exemplified many of these traits that are listed in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Death feels so unnatural when we face it because it is unnatural. It is not how God created the world to be originally. The Lord made mankind to live with him, not to die in creation. The Lord made us to obey him and glorify him as our creator and as our king. And yet here we are this morning feeling loss, pain, and separation. And as much as we try to romanticize death, which we all try to do, or minimize death, or even just ignore it, it's always there. It's always painful, and it always feels wrong. There's something in us that I think sometimes knows and understands that This is not the way things were made to be. And indeed, as the storyline of the Bible goes on, we see that the way God made the world is not indeed how things stayed. And while the world was made a fruitful place with a fruitful humanity, eventually things were not fruitful anymore. Our human forefathers did not live in the life that God had created for them. They they disobeyed. They rejected God's kingship over their lives. And as a result of this now, this whole world is fallen and subject to death. We are all subject to death. We are all sinners. And the Bible is very clear that the wages of sin is death. Humanity that was created to be fruitful and glorifying God forever, the Bible says, eventually became a wasteland, spiritually. The Bible says that now in our own sins, we are, we're not alive anymore. We are spiritually dead in Ephesians 2, verse 1. The book of Isaiah, chapter 5, verse 7, it describes the Lord's people there within their sin that they were a vineyard that no longer produced the fruit they were supposed to produce. So we see that how the Lord created the world, and then we see that we are in the midst of now a world that is subject to death and decay, and it raises the question, how then is this problem overcome in Scripture? You see, one of the great things about the Bible, even though we are tempted to oftentimes just romanticize and minimize death, the Bible does not. In fact, the Bible refers to death as our great enemy, even the enemy of Jesus Christ himself. The spiritual desolation in this world cries out for a solution. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to face death on our behalf to take what we deserve, God's just judgment against sin upon himself on the cross, even though he was himself was without sin. As Romans 8.32 says, our heavenly father gave up his own son to death for us all. But the Bible goes on to say that Jesus didn't just die, he rose again bodily from the grave three days later. You see, Jesus didn't just experience death. He didn't just face it. He didn't just taste it. He conquered it. He overcame it. And the Bible says that Jesus' resurrection, it is the first fruits of our resurrection. Jesus' resurrection was just the first blossom in a garden that is ready to go off in blooming. They will yield more fruit. His is the first resurrection of all those who are in and trust in the work of Jesus Christ. And so we move in scripture from a fruitful creation to an unfruitful humanity, but then the Bible portrays a picture in the end of a fruitful eternity. You know, this is why the Bible describes Christians as having the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. They have experienced and are making evident the life that has been given to them in Jesus Christ. When we trust in Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross and in his resurrection, he gives us eternal life. And that eternal life has evidences even here and now, even as our bodies waste away. And that is things like the fruit of the spirit. But the Bible goes on to say that life and fruit, that paradise, the fruitful paradise of creation will one day be restored, never to be spoiled again. That as Christians, we're told that we enter into an unshakable kingdom, a new creation that is just as fruitful as the garden of Eden was, but will remain so forever, where the Lord's people will dwell with him for eternity with no more death, no more sickness, no more suffering. See, Jesus Christ, he overcame death 
So much so that death, the great enemy, even is so conquered by what Jesus has done on the cross and in his resurrection that it says that God, even now, he taunts death. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 We read, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It's a taunt to death itself. And to us, it might sound like tempting fate to say something like that, but not in the context of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus has conquered death for his people so completely by giving himself over to death and rising again. And that's why when the Bible talks that it is only through faith in Christ that he is the only way, truth, and life to God and eternal life, because he is the only one who has faced our great problem for us, and that is death itself, who overcame it for us to deal with death once and for all. You see, anytime we face death like this, we often begin to ask, how do we cope? And it's good to ask those questions. And even sometimes we are given answers for how we cope. We even go through certain sometimes stages of grief. And we hear about how kind of the best we can hope for in moving through the stages of grief is we end up at acceptance, kind of a resignation that it's happened and we accept it as such. I would submit to you that that's not entirely great news. If that's the best news for us in the face of death is simply to accept it, that is a small comfort indeed. That's why the Bible, when it talks about the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, it describes it as good news because it's not just about the acceptance of death. It is about the overcoming of death itself and the conquering of death itself. Our dear Camille, through her faith in Jesus Christ, is now spiritually with the Lord. And when her body is eventually laid to rest, that is not even her body's final resting place. For we're told that even her body will be raised on the last day. You see, sickness does not get the last word for the Lord's people. Cancer does not get the last word for the Lord's people. Sin does not get the last word for the Lord's people. Life does. So much so that even we're told that even our bodies will be raised on the last day for those of us in Christ. We have to admit that while we don't always know why God does what he does in this world, we do know that he is active, that he is sovereign, that he is good, and that he is making all things new through Jesus. That he is bringing about the day that the prophet Isaiah said, when no more shall be heard the sound of weeping. And so we do mourn today, but for those of us in Christ, we mourn with hope. We mourn even with a certain type of rejoicing that Camille is at rest with her Lord. And that one day no more sounds of weeping will be heard in the new creation. So if we want to seek comfort this morning, I hope we can seek it in one another and in our sharing and tough time together. But even more than that, I hope we can seek it in the good news of Jesus Christ. Because that is where the ultimate comfort lies, where death itself is overcome. Let's pray. Great God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he died and paid the penalty for our sins. That he rose again in newness of life. Lord, we ask that this morning we would be comforted with each other today. But most of all, may we be comforted by the conquering power of Jesus Christ over death itself. May we cling to him to save us and to lead us into life. We ask all these things in the mighty, conquering name of Jesus we pray. Amen. This has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.